Yo, what's up, Llama listeners? Joe here. In this episode, Frank and I got together to discuss the challenges of leadership in simple, complicated, complex, and chaotic environments. We explored bureaucracy and talked about the art of leading subject matter experts. Enjoy. Live. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and you have one half of the Llama team in the lounge today, as I have my brother, Frankie Z, with me. What's up, bro? What is happening, Joe? Uh, I haven't been on for a while, man, so it's, uh, it's awesome to be back on with, uh, with you. Um, super excited to, to talk about some, uh, some leadership today, and then I kind of whatever else we can get into, that'd be awesome. Yeah, man. It's pretty cool. We're both outside the continental US right now. I'm in my deployed location. You're you're still out there at Osan and um and we're at a relatively good time, I guess. And when we we're in the States, Frank would have to wake up at like zero seven hundred every day on a on the weekend to to get on. So now we're at a we're we're at a good time now. So this Yeah, uh yeah. Usually I have uh, a cup of coffee in my hand, but uh, <laughs> today today I got got a glass of wine in my hand. So nice. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So how how's things for you out there in Korea? Oh man, you know, yesterday um I was just talking with my wife about this. We were sitting down at this Korean barbecue joint, you know, mm. we got the soju going, we got uh, the beer going, we got uh, and we got just this great uh, it's just good quality barbecue that they have here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they just don't, they just don't have this in the States. I'm mm-hmm. like, if I miss anything about Korea, which there'll be plenty, but if I have to pick one thing, it's going to be the food. Yeah. You know, the food is just, uh, you know what though, the maybe, maybe, um, I'll take that back. The people, yeah, the people are just so nice, man. And, you know, as, a, as someone who, who didn't, didn't move abroad until I joined the military. You, you don't even understand the different cultures. Mm-hmm. And then when you get exposed to the different culture, um, whether it's, you know, European or Asian, wherever you are in the world, it, it, for me, it always feels like, man, these people are mean. Right. Yeah. But then, mm-hmm. but then it's, it's really not that, you know, the more you embed yourself into the culture, mm-hmm. it's just different. Right. And you have to understand the different mannerisms. And you have to understand uh, the different, you know, um, societies, rules that they have there. And uh, man, Koreans are just, they're awesome people, super nice. And they want you to feel like you're at home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though I don't speak a word of freaking Hangul, <laughs> I wish I did. Um, I, you know, I know, I know the pleasantries, but uh, yeah. other than that, uh, the Korean people really try to make you feel at home. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying is, is, is a great point because I think, until you go spend time abroad and not like just a, a one week vacation on a cruise or something. I mean, like you legit go out there and try to immerse yourself in the culture. Um, you really don't like, you don't really appreciate what's out there in the world. And also you, mm-hmm. you do find a lot more appreciation for what you have in the States too. Right. But um, it's just, I don't know, you become more worldly in the whole cultural context, understanding that and, and everything else in between, man, there's a lot of value there. So I know me, I think, you know, spending a lot of time in Asia as well, spending time in Europe, it's really kind of just made me have a better perspective on just life in general, you know? Yeah. 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 Don't get me wrong though. Cause like, uh, I, you know, like we're living in towers right now and I yeah. definitely miss my freaking yard. I need a, yard. <laughs> I need a, you know, 
I, I don't love cutting grass, but yeah. uh, man, I, I miss cutting grass. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, one thing about the Gerasan Towers, though, I think it's pretty cool. You get the trash chute at least. You don't have to walk all the way down to whatever floor you're at with the trash. And all trash that. shoot's legit. Yeah. Trash chute <laughs> is legit. It's a new dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and man, I remember uh, PCS in there and PCSing out. It was so awesome to see how uh, the Korean movers will take that those uh, those machines and contraptions to get up to your balcony. And oh man, I was like so smart. Yeah, that's that's innovation right yeah. there, man. Yeah, that's man. awesome, man. But you know what? You're talking about the food. The food culture is amazing. I mean, in Korea, uh, that's I'm actually volunteering to go back out there. And man, it's not even just Korean food. It's like all food like you go down to suwon or something you'll just see so many different mm-hmm. types of food out there yeah it's pretty wild yeah they have some pretty good um seafood restaurants out here as well mm-hmm. um you know and you know korea's it's not cheap you know i think i think uh, it's not as cheap as you know the stories that i've heard you know like you know it's, you know, it's cheap out there but oh, it's, it's it's fairly expensive out here so mm-hmm. but well, we get we get paid all right so yeah it's not bad I think it's, I found it to be relatively cheap when you're actually eating like legit Korean food and, and songtan somewhere and you're just going oh, to yeah. the noodle house. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cheap. Yeah. yeah when you try to yeah. buy the, the nice stuff, it gets a little bit, a little bit more. I think it's because my wife keeps me in the malls and the malls yeah. are like super expensive. Oh yeah. Those are expensive. Yeah. That's <laughs> especially super by, yeah. Yeah. yeah man, I'm like, why are we, in, why are we in Louis Vuitton? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you buy an american brand stuff or a non-korean yeah, brand yeah. yeah you're gonna pay a premium for that stuff for yeah. sure that's awesome man i'm glad you're doing well out there um you guys came out of uh hp con charlie so you're able to yeah to yeah yeah that's that's super awesome we uh we're actually going to seoul next weekend we're gonna stay a couple of days uh we'll do some christmas shopping out there I think that's our goal is uh, hopefully none of my family members are listening, but uh, that's our goal is we're, we're going we're gonna to send a Korean box set. So we'll just throw a bunch of nice. novelties in there and, and hopefully they enjoy that stuff. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Yeah. Out yeah. here, it's, it's pretty good. I'm into AOR right now. Um, the weather is cooling off pretty, pretty quickly too, man. I remember when I first got here just a month ago, it was ridiculously hot. And now in the morning you need a hoodie on. So it is, um, mm-hmm. it is cooling off pretty quickly and, but everything else is going real well, man. I just, I mean, you're still running your, your half marathons and, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, is, is there a goal? Is there a goal or something? You're like, are you just addicted to running? Or like, what is it? What is it? So right now, my goal is to run a half marathon every Sunday while I'm out here. Um, and we'll see. It's, it's, <laughs> I've been able to do it so far since I set the goal. And um, mm-hmm. but, but mileage-wise, I already exceeded my goal for the year. And then I haven't really set one for my deployment. But um, a lot of it's just kind of mental health and keep myself sane and head clear and breaks up the day a little bit. So it's, yeah. It's, that. yeah you got are you do you have access you probably don't but you never know nowadays in the aor uh is there a sauna around can you come is that is that a thing no no so where i'm at right now man we don't have much of anything uh pretty much what i was telling people is morale the only things we have for morale is food mail it's always awesome when you get some mail and uh, yeah and we have our gym so pretty much people just work out they look forward to getting mail and they eat 
and then they work. <laughs> Those are the yeah. things that keep everybody. So, <laughs> so thumbs up on a defect. Is that is that legit? It, it is. It is pretty legit, man. I mean, I can't complain. I mean, you could be judgy about things and be like, "Well, that steak wasn't that good on Friday or whatever," but um, but the food. You know, you, you're not going to be starving out here. It's real easy to get fat if you're not working out. The food's really considering, good. Considering, yeah, considering <laughs> the circumstances. Right, right, right. Um, so I haven't, I haven't deployed in a while, but um, uh, one of my last deployments, they had um, Hagen Dazs. It was like mm. Hagen Dazs ice cream yeah. things right yeah. next to, and yeah. I had one every day. And I still <laughs> came back. I still came back with a six pack. I, I right. mean, it's just we were just working so hard over right. there. Yeah, uh, it's just. Yeah, they have a lot of ice cream here. They do have a lot of ice cream. Um, and I think you know what it is. Some of it is probably because you're not able to drink out here. Well, at least in where I'm at, there's no drinking at all. There's So that you take out all those calories that you might be consuming through the week and replacing it with some ice cream, but then you're working a lot harder. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. do. Um, you know how uh, like Joe Rogan and his crew, they do like Sober October. Yeah. Um, I do uh, Dry January. I do okay. Dry January. All right. I'll join, so you this year. Ha- I'll join you this year. I'll join you this year. It'll be good. <laughs> well, I got excited for a moment. And I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't count. It's, it's actually pretty hard, man. No, yeah. no, uh, no alcohol for 30 days. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It takes a little bit of discipline. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, going to your point back, um, you know, like no alcohol and calories, I'll lose, uh, I don't know, I'll lose like close to 10 pounds every year doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, that's amazing, right? Because yeah. people don't think about it like that. You know what I mean? Think about like all the calories that you're taking or not taking in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's working out and everything else. I mean, definitely, I would say because, you know, working out is one of the few things you have to do around here. Um, and then, you know, COVID, you know, out here, we have to be really careful about it because it's still an issue out here. And if we get hit with COVID out here, that that's a huge impact to the mission. So, yeah. So there's not a lot of gatherings and all that stuff. We got to be real careful about that. So there's not really a lot of things that are going to inside events. Um, the USO does their best to try to do some stuff. Um, it, what's really cool is that um, we have a lot of coalition partner nations out here that do a lot of crazy fitness things. Like they had the Viking games, which not like our Viking games. They're like legit Viking games where they're throwing logs and stuff with the Norwegians. We had like, uh, uh, the Norwegians did a 30 kilometer rucksack march, 25 pounds and your primary weapon and all your gear. And I was like 30 kilometers, man. <laughs> yeah. So did you, did you get in that? No, I didn't. It was uh, way too early. Yeah. I'm going I'm to do the one in January. They're going to do another one yeah. in January. So I'm going to get in that one. But uh, the Polish got like a 5K for the Independence Day this week. So, you know, a lot of cool things that yeah. they do. So. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, that's cool. Super cool. Are you watching any football out there? Um, I just got my AFN working in my office. So I'm going to start catching up on it a little bit. But Yeah. yeah. Hey, the Seahawks. Seahawks beat the 49ers down. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a massacre, man. I'm like, man, he looked good. That dude, Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's legit, man. Yeah, that dude's he's a monster. Yeah, yeah. He's a monster. He's a monster. He's, he's, a, been, ro- yeah. he's a rookie. Uh, second year. He's a ro- yeah. Yeah. Oh, second okay. year. Yeah, yeah. 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 First year, he, first year he was crushing it. This year he's even getting better. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. I don't know, man. They could be a favorite. They got, they got some, some sleepers out there. Um, Steelers are good too, but um yeah, yeah, we got problems with the defense on the Seahawks, but mm-hmm. hey, you guys are on top of your division? 
Listen. Your Eagles listen. Are on top of your e- division. Eagles, <laughs> Eagles are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> Say what you want. Eagles yeah. are going to make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> the, the conspiracy is that we ran Nick Foles out of town. Well, the, the Philadelphia locals did anyway. You yeah. know, they, they ran Nick Foles out of town <laughs> after he won that Super Bowl. And I, and I don't, I almost like agree. Every time Carson Wentz freaking drops a ball or throws an interception i'm just like oh my gosh what is happening right now uh all i remember is that tie that you guys had and then you were a little bit upset about it and i was thinking that tie might make the big difference for you guys to stay on top it really like i every time they pull up the record i'm like what look at that one on the end of that i'm like we're the i'm pretty sure we're the only team only team well, the only two teams in the NFL with a tie there. Right. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Still better than a loss. But, it is. I uh, guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, man. So, um, I, I posted an article a while back, right? Maybe about a week ago. And um, it was it was really talking about leadership in different types of situations. I know you kind of did some research on it. And the article was titled, A Leader's Framework for Decision-Making. And it kind of talks about this whole model. I was thinking like you were looking up a little bit. What were your thoughts on it? Can you explain a little bit about that article? Oh yeah. So um, basically you had um, some, the authors were David Snowden and Mary Boone. Right. And um, uh, basically they, they break down leadership into four dimensions and um, it's actually a framework that, that that's called Canavan. So the Canavan framework. Uh, it starts with the simple dimension, and that's sort of a uh, a recognizable environment in that um, there's a there's a recipe uh, for success, and, and that's a known recipe that that any leader could could pull off the shelf and put into place and be successful, right? And so that's and that's sort of the, the simple dimension. So moving on to the complicated dimension, where um, there is a solution, but there isn't this, it's not evident, right? It, it requires in-depth analysis and, and it also um, requires the employment of some of the subject matter experts to really figure out what the best course of action is to, to define uh, the right path. Um, so that, so on that side of it, you know, that those are, those two dimensions are both predictable environments. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we move into the, the unpredictable environment, um, the next dimension is the complex environment, uh, which is there isn't uh, isn't really a, a causal effect. And then mm-hmm. if in fact you do find that there is a cause and effect, it's it's only found during hindsight, uh, which I felt like that was really interesting. And what's what's really interesting is that when we're talking about leading people, mm-hmm. that belongs in the complex dimension. There isn't a formula for learning how to lead people. There isn't always a right answer, and you don't know what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. Um, what worked for leading Joe Bogdan mm-hmm. isn't going to work for uh, leading Scott Green or mm-hmm. Jose Ramon, right? Every right. I have to pull the, the a different um, tactic for for the different personalities. Right. So I thought that was really in- interesting, um, and it, and so in that complex environment, you have to figure out new ways, new and innovative ways of maybe things that you've never done before to find the right solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last dimension is the the chaotic dimension, and so basically that is that's kind of what the name says it is. 
it's it's just a lot going on. Um, and, and the first thing you have to do is bring stability back into that environment to figure mm-hmm. out what the best solution is. Uh, but what, once you're in that chaotic environment and you figure out what are some steps that you need to do to stabilize that situation, then you can start to figure out which environment that you need to move into, which, which dimension that you need to move into mm-hmm. to figure out what the solution is. Um, so um, I think COVID operations, mm-hmm. uh, when, especially when it first sparked off, could, could be long in that, in that chaotic dimension. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause none of us knew what to do and we were sort of kind of trying to stabilize everything. We were trying to like, you know, flatten the curve. We were mm-hmm. trying to mitigate and, you know, trying to take all these um, proactive measures, but no one knew what to do really. Right. Right. You know, I think that's what caused a lot of the, the angst out there was people weren't able to determine what environment we're into and what leadership um, approach you should take. And um, I remember one of our previous episodes, Simple, Complicated, Complex with Adam Stugard, he was talking about the differences, you know, complicated. we're humans, we're, we're designed to be able to deal with complicated problems. We can, we can solve them. I mean, it might take some analysis, but the complex, a lot of times we can't solve them with the information we have. We just can manage manage the situation and we're not good about that. We, we, we want to solve everything. So it causes a lot of issues, but something yeah. that I found really interesting though, was when it was talking about that chaotic situation. And I remember when you bring up the COVID thing that it happened where things are going so crazy that people actually want you to give them some orders at that point. Like, Hey, tell me what to do right now, because yeah. Everything is going so crazy. I need some type of stability right now. And somebody just has to step up and tell me, go do this. Go tell me to go move this rock over here or something. So uh, instead of, you know, trying to ask all of us for our perspectives on things in that chaos, because that's not the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, one of the cool things about the article, too, is it talks about what happens uh, when you stay in a certain dimension for too long. Right. So if if you're good at in, in the simple dimension, the problem with being in the simple dimension, even though um, there's a there's a success, there's a recipe success in that you can get complacent and then complacency, you know, creeps in and causes other issues. Um, but um, do, do you have do you feel like looking at the, the four dimensions that you, you would thrive in one area or a couple areas, whereas maybe you're struggling in some of the areas? I think. Um for me probably and it sounds funny because um because it seems like it should be easy but the simple one i think it would um kind of bore me <laughs> like i don't know i think it's living in that environment for a little bit too long would just bore me mm-hmm. and and i would mm-hmm. and then i might get complacent because i feel like well I don't really need to be here. There's plenty of people that could probably do this, you know, um, mm-hmm. complicated and complex are probably the two areas where I feel that I'd best be suited. The chaotic mm-hmm. piece, honestly, for me, because I'm so structured based when initially when it was in chaos, it'd probably take me a moment, be like, what is going on right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've, I could, I've seen people who are really effective in the, that chaotic environment. And that was like uh, my boss at Travis, um, Colonel Cameron, he's very good at that. And when the EOC was going, it was flaring up. He's very good about directing, right? Directing things to start bringing that stability back where I'm, I'm very much about, um, Hey, let's try to figure out this solution as a team with all the SMEs. Um, and sometimes it's hard for me to turn on, Hey, just go do that now, go do that mm-hmm. now. Right. So, um, so I think if anything, probably simple would be the hardest for me to live in chaotic would be the next. Uh, and then, but the complicated complex, I think I could probably live in pretty well. Mm. 
What about you? Um, yeah, simple is boring, but yeah. but if if I yeah. if I can be successful there, yeah, then awesome. <laughs> low low hanging fruit, baby. <laughs> right. If, if I can keep winning there, then hey, listen, listen. Um, complicated. The problem is, uh, when you have too many experts in the room, what happens? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Sense. Everybody's an expert, and then yeah. then 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 no one has the right answer, right? So I think I think complicated. It requires one leader mm-hmm. with a few experts underneath that leader. And, and so as long as the leader has the ability to cut it off and like, listen, we don't need a hundred percent solution. Mm-hmm. And, and likely we might not even find it. Right. Um, I like, I like Colin Pell's thing. I think he said, uh, you shouldn't make a decision with any less than with anything less than 40% of the information and you don't need any more than 70% of, of the situation mm-hmm. uh, to make a good decision. And, and in fact, if you're waiting too long, right, for that more than the 70% piece, uh, the decision point, the, the effective decision point is going to pass. And, right. And it's, it's not going to be a good decision at that point. Yeah. There's definitely a point of diminishing returns when you're spending so much time on something and what you're going to make a little bit better of a decision, right? We could mm-hmm. just overanalyzing it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the cool things that well, I was doing some research um, where it was talking about how you can go into a chaotic dimension uh, purposely, and and you would do that to uh, you're going into a brainstorm mode, right? Like, all right, no one knows what the answer is for this solution, but let's bring everybody in, and we're going to deliberately kind of get chaotic in here to drum up some ideas to figure out what the solution might be. And, and the wilder, the crazy, mm-hmm. the crazy, the better the idea maybe will help us figure yeah. out the best course of action. I thought that was pretty interesting. You got to have some time for that one, right? That would, that would be yeah. an interesting uh, experiment yeah. to have. But, you know, the other thing I thought about the complicated, like kind of going back to that is I think one of the issues that people get stuck there is they're trying to find the one right answer. And in complicated environments, um, the article brings up, oftentimes it's not like simple there's multiple right answers right so now mm-hmm. you're sitting, sitting there figuring out which one is the best one like we kind of talked about over analyzing is a possibility and um something about complex that i were reading about was good is better than best in those situations a lot of times because you can go way too far into uh, mm-hmm. trying to solve the issue yeah yeah, I, so I think the dimensions are, are super, it, it's the first time I've encountered an article where it, it, I've never even heard of the, the, the um, Knafin yeah. framework before. So mm-hmm. had you heard about it before? No, the article? no. And, and um, really, the, when I f- found this article, it was because I was reading One Mission, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit as well, the book mm-hmm. One Mission, and they brought up the article. So then I was like, oh, let me pause on this book and let me go read that article. And um, mm-hmm. and I, I read through it, and I was like, "Man, this is this is some good stuff." And I think it was written back in 07. I don't know. And uh, it's, it's it's pretty it's very relevant this, to today's the, environment. This one you're talking about, right? That was written in 07. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, so, "Yeah, that's." I saw that too. And I'm like, "Wow, that's a that's a older article." Was it 07 or 2017? Uh, 07. Yeah, it looked, okay. I just checked it. Yeah, it was written in 2007, yeah. um, November. 
And um, it really talks, you know, and that's the thing about the planet, the world, right? I mean, we're talking about this pandemic that we're experiencing, and I know it kind of sucks that we're dealing with it all now, and it's really bad for some people. But I mean, you know, like we, we talk about stoicism all the time. Marcus Aurelius was in what, 15 year plague, Antonine plague, you know, and dealing with leadership back then. So there's, there's a lot of things that are very timeless, like some of these concepts we just talked about in this article. Yeah. But but this is the first time we've ever lived through like anything in our right. in our lifetime. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, maybe Scott might be the only one that lived through something at least two of these plagues, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's not here to defend himself, so that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> uh, we gotta take a cheap shot at him. Yeah, he's sleeping right now. Yeah. Yeah, he got uh, the Smash flu and he actually got COVID this time. It's crazy. He survived both of them. It's yeah, wild. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Um, it just feels like uh everything is moving so slow. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's why I brought that up. Is like it just takes forever. I mean, everyone's just like, when are we gonna just get back to normal? You know, mm-hmm. and and the, the vaccine and when's it coming out i'm here in november i i don't know you know who 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 knows at this point and it's hard to uh to kind of keep those stoicism Mm -hmm. principles intact and 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 not let it overwhelm you because um it definitely is it's 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 affecting um everybody and you can see it you know as a as a um as a force you know as an air force you could Mm -hmm. see you know why why is why is suicide rates up mm-hmm. to an alarming rate, you know, more than, more than we've seen um, in a long time. So, you know, is it COVID? Uh, who knows, you know, yeah. who, who, who can say, um, right. is it a contributing factor? I, I, I believe it is. Yeah. 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 I would say, yeah, any type of environmental factor like this would definitely be contributing to an issue. And we had the issues before, right. Even before COVID. Um, but you know, the numbers are spiking. But you know what I was yeah. thinking about what you just talked about, right? Timing. Why does it seem like when when does stuff really start kicking off? Like I know it kicked off earlier, but what really started affecting us was March, probably March, April ish, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So March, April, it's not even been a year, but a lot of us see this as I mean, and let's be honest, for most of us, it's just a major inconvenience. You know what I mean? For a lot of us, there's some people that's really, it's really kicking them, right? It's really beating them up with businesses. Um, people are actually getting sick, losing, losing loved ones. And oh man, mm-hmm. don't want to minimize any of that. But a lot of us that are kind of dealing with it daily are just dealing with the major inconvenience, you know, not able right. to go do the things we want to do, um, you know, and couldn't find toilet paper. Right. Right. It started like from the that. things like that. Yeah. Right. Like I'm making light of that, but like that's right. Right. Those are the things that we're dealing with. And then what do you think is the reason why we turn that and it feels like it's been forever when it's really not right? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like it's like if it lasts all the way till March, which will probably last longer, but let's say we get a vaccine miraculously and everybody is able to get through this and we start recovering Mm -hmm. by then, Mm -hmm. that'll be a year out of our lives that we endured this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but a lot of people will look at it as like, that's a year I wasted in my life. A year that was completely wasted. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. I, you know, I, maybe waste is not the, is mm-hmm. not what you should have been doing. Right. You right. Know? Right. Uh, 
you know, maybe, maybe it's like, it's, it's an opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I know that's, that's sort of kind of looking at it from the glass half full perspective. I get that. I understand that part. Um, for me, um, you know, I've been blessed to where I don't have anybody that's been mm-hmm. um, impacted by COVID. I don't, you know, I don't, and then, and then the folks that I do know they got COVID, they've, they've been able to kind of push through and, and, and get healthy again within, you know, a matter of weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, super blessed for that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. To, to speak frank, you know, if, if at the end of this year you said, man, what a waste, and, and you weren't able to, to um, maybe just capitalize on mm-hmm. whether it was more time with your family because mm-hmm. you're not able to travel uh, anywhere or it's it's read an extra book or two um or or you know really kind of get get down on on the bit on the school that you've been afraid to do because you're too busy with other things going on in your life you know yeah. what i mean so yeah it would be unfortunate if someone said man what a what a waste of a year and, and you weren't able to utilize that time wisely Right. Because I think like a lot of us kind of can have that, you know, those, those thoughts coming through, Um, whether Mm -hmm. it's maybe somebody on deployment and they get extended an extra month and they feel like the extra month is like the worst thing ever. You know what I mean? When, and you look back at it and you're like, that was a month, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. It's just, it's like perspective. And I think that has a lot to do with how we deal with things. And um, I mean, it sucks though. You know, you got people that, had had to get their weddings canceled and and right. mm-hmm. um the the stupidest thing was funerals right so i had you know my my stepdad pass mm-hmm. and um you know they were just like no more than 10 people at the funeral and then some people couldn't even have a funeral right um so was it inconvenient yeah but geez louise yeah. come on you yeah. know what i mean like mm-hmm. it, it just seems like we uh, the 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 folks that make these rules i don't know sometimes it just seems like it's overkill a little bit yeah um, yeah and to go back to the whole you know simple complicated complex and chaotic right it's like sometimes maybe when you're making those you know those decisions those rules you might be making it from the wrong environment or you know and you're trying to solve something and it causes issues. And for mm-hmm. me, the, the only thing that keeps me sane in an inconsistent world right now that we've been living in, because I'm, I'm one of my core values is the consistency. So it's been tested this year, right? When rules are consistent and not consistent, you know, <laughs> like just this stuff that just doesn't make sense. I really yeah. look back and I just think, man, it's, it's got to be tough to have to make that decision for that many people, right. To be put in that position, because I know yeah. for me, you know, just, just overseeing and managing, anywhere between 400 to 600 people um, making decisions for that number of people can be real difficult. Can you imagine like an entire county, an entire state, right? Uh, Entire country. Yeah. Uh, That's gotta be difficult. So I try to look at it from that lens as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just hope that, you know, those folks that are making policy are making those decisions from, from the right lens. Right. right? And, and not letting, not letting uh, politics, or optics you know i mean how many times do we make decisions because of optics mm-hmm. oh many and, times and, <laughs> um and it's just not it's just not it's not a decision based you know from from the morals and the values that you're talking about it's mm-hmm. based on well how does it look you know how does it look if we let these people have a funeral right yeah 
Yeah, so, no, you're you're 100% right. I mean, there's a lot of decisions you can see even at the tactical level at a unit or across businesses and states and everything else you're looking at. Like, you know, you made that decision just because you thought it looked the best, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I think, you know, the framework, it really does provide, you know, how do, how do I use it every day? How will I use it every day? I don't know. I have to carry around my clipboard, figure out my, <laughs> my what, what dimension I'm in. And we're like, yeah. oh, I'm in the complex dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, this, uh, this, all, this all says that it should be we're in a complex. That's what it says right here. <laughs> from from my little diagram, it says we're in a complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny is like um, simple is easy, right? Simple is um, it, it doesn't take a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I also think about what what takes the most energy. Uh, complex to me feels like it takes the most energy mm-hmm. um, because you don't know what the answer is. Right. And then so that's, and so that the amount of time and energy that you want to put into something, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it takes a couple of days to right. make the right decision for me. Right. You know what I mean? Especially if it's that critical to make a really the best decision for the best outcome. Right. And then a lot of times there is no answer that's there in that complex environment, right? There's just a lot of management going on until you can solve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's even more like you got to sit there and put it on the back burner. If you're one of those people that need that freaking dopamine hit from <laughs> finishing something up, you're going to be sitting there yeah. struggling the whole time. Uh, for chaotic, mm-hmm. to me, to me, that feels like that could be easy too, though, because what do you need in a chaotic dimension is mm-hmm. you need order, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it's easy for me. It's easy for my temperament mm-hmm. to break out the clipboard and start doing a to-do checklist. Yeah. All right, this is the first thing that we got to mm-hmm. do. Here's yeah. the second thing we got to do. Right? right. That's that's easy to me. Right now, yeah. now executing on all those things maybe maybe might be a little more mm-hmm. complex or complicated. But um, you know, for for me to put order into things, uh, that's that's my bread and butter for me. You know what I mean? Uh, that that comes easier than other things for me. Do you think you were always like that or is that something that evolved? Because I would say that I think when I was younger, um, simple and chaotic were probably um, a little bit easier for me than, than it is now. And then somehow I like moved into this area where, you know, I was, I, I wanted to get more of that feedback and get to the right answer. And then maybe even overthink things. And then now it's like, I'm not as good in those environments. It's weird. You know, um, I was having this conversation the other day with uh, with one of my coworkers, and um, we were talking about how the military has changed us, right? Like, um, you know, how you act in uniform and how you act out of uniform. Right. And so, for a long time, there was a difference. There was a difference between. There was a difference between Frank Zamorano <laughs> and, and Sergeant Zamorano. There yeah. was there was a big difference. <laughs> um, but but to, today, there's not <laughs> there's not that much of a difference. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say the same thing. Same yeah. here. <laughs> you know what, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah. just not that much of a difference. Um, so so to your question. Yeah, it's 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 my it's who I am today. Mm-hmm. It's the military has has formed me into mm-hmm. uh, the person that I am today because I figured out that um, yeah. this is not a job. Right, I figured that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's kind of cool to think about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. 
the the 23 year old me is like hey man you changed (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay yeah i think that's called i also think it's called maturity right uh, right um, and that's what i was thinking is like when you evolve right it is like the military's influence on you but also like everything else that came along with it like the education you got the experiences mm -hmm. the people and then even what we talked about earlier about visiting other countries and all that stuff it just but uh you know it created who you are today versus who you were yeah. at 23 years old so uh. but it's a two-way street right mm-hmm. because because the higher the higher the more influence i won't say the higher you get up the, the more influence you have uh, the more you're able to to change your organization mm-hmm. and transform your organization into you what what you always thought it could be yeah right yeah. you know what i mean so so the only at a certain point in my career, the only reason why I ever got promoted, I ever wanted to get promoted, was so I could do the dang schedule. Right. You know what I mean? Like so I can, <laughs> so I can, so I could get weekends at yeah. one point. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? And yeah. and then today, you know, today as as a senior, you know, I I still want to make the influence to the senior leaders that I get to. I have the opportunity to work with every day. Mm-hmm. Um, to to let them know to, to be be the bridge like hey right. these are what these airmen these are what these airmen are going through and here's here's what we need to keep at the forefront mm-hmm. of, of our priorities and and how it impacts the mission and yeah. uh, man that that's that's the best part of my day getting doing that you know yeah. I mean? so yeah yeah man dude that's a great segue into what i wanted to talk about with you too because i've been reading this book one mission and um and for those of you that haven't read it before it's great um and i would recommend reading um team of teams first because this is kind of a sequel to it uh so general stanley mccrystal and this chris fossil uh ex-navy seal guy wrote originally wrote a team of teams and then chris fossil came and finished up the book with one mission because he wanted to kind of elaborate on how you can execute some of the stuff from um, team of teams. And this, and it's a little bit of a long passage, but I wanted to read this to you Z and, and think about what you, what your perspectives on this is, because this thing screamed to me. So here it goes. It goes, if all goes well, strong performance in this specific function gets you promoted. And before long, you're filling an operational level position on the bureaucratic org chart. Now, like it or not, you're an information pump leader of an increasing number of frontline teams responsible for enabling the practical work of the units you use to be an integral part of. You increasingly receive only secondhand information about your organization's external environment. With no real conversations from those above you on the org chart about what it takes to fill this new role, you base your approach to this new job on your observations of your peers and your current tier of the bureaucracy or the people that have been in front of you. You reflect the work ethic they demonstrate being the first at your desk in the morning and the last to leave at night. You communicate continuing and perhaps tweaking the regular meeting slides that you are on the receiving end of for the past few years. But despite your effort, the frontline issues that you were once immersed in become more blurred every day. Anxiety starts to build. Learning secondhand about the state of the teams and environment that you were once a part of, your sense of value and worth is challenged. This sense of separation and isolation can increase in quick leaps as you move up the hierarchy with personal fear and doubt growing in kind. Imposter syndrome, a sense that everyone but you belongs there can set in and grow, feeding the urge to micromanage and demand more from your subordinate teams. 
The impersonally ordered bounds of a bureaucracy assume leaders will be able to identify where and when cross-functional collaboration is necessary, then enable that cooperation and interaction. In a complex environment, this expectation compounds anxiety for leaders. The speed with which humans within the system can connect and solve emerging issues becomes a limiting factor in the bureaucracy. I'm the bottleneck is a common refrain from some of today's self-aware leaders, all too often said in a way that reflects the leader's belief that her ineffectiveness is her fault. The reality, as the battlefield taught us, is that a 20th century organizational system is simply insufficient for the speed of the information age. Mm. So when I first read that, man, I was thinking, man, I feel like this person was watching me from the years I was a master sergeant and a senior master sergeant out there tweaking meetings that were already out there, you know, to what I thought, thinking I was making major changes. Um, the whole imposter syndrome definitely kind of came up. I was wondering, oh, should I mm-hmm. even be here? You know I mean? It was just, mm-hmm. I was just like reading that. That was really interesting to me. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a lot to, to kind of um, dig into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of hear some of the, some of the words that I pulled out while you mm-hmm. were talking was um, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, uh, Imposter syndrome is, um, I think that's a natural thing to have, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a leader who aspires to, to, you know, to have some influence, um, you're, you're going to find yourself in some situations where you're like, man, what they're saying is not really connecting with me and mm-hmm. either I don't belong here mm-hmm. or, or, um, I don't know what's going on. Right. Like, right. so, so I think, I think what you have to remind yourself is that, um, is who you are and, mm-hmm. and what your goals are and, and where you're striving to go. So every morning I hit the gym and I remind myself, dude, you 100% belong here. You're, right. you bring all this. So that's why I work out. Honestly, that's, right. that's where I get my confidence from. Um, and so mm-hmm. that helps tell the imposter syndrome in me to shut up and mm-hmm. just kind of keep, keep going. Um, um, the bureaucracy thing, um, that is something that we've been dealing with since, since we were young airmen, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, um, and, and that's something that is going to be, that's probably the largest obstacle I find ourselves in on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a struggle because you have senior leaders on one end saying, Hey, if it's dumb, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. How many times have you heard a senior leader say, if it's yeah. dumb, don't do it. Yeah. And then the, and the, the few folks that fall underneath that, they're like, well, that's, it's not that easy. There's, there's <laughs> rules and there's things that we have to do. So um, do you have to count the, I remember one time we were doing, uh, was it six S do you remember six S mm-hmm. or is it five S you know, where you had, it was this, this organization concept where we had to go in and we had to inventory our, our closet and how many pencils we had. Yeah. Many, I remember that. How much <laughs> paper we had. And I'm just like, oh, I was man. just like, Hey, Hey, um, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm just not doing that. Oh, like, yeah. and people are like, what do you mean? We're not doing it. I'm like, who cares how many pencils we have? You know what I mean? So uh, that, that was my way of, that was my way of sticking it to the man. And like, uh, I'm just not doing that bureaucracy stuff. You know, I'm actually surprised anybody did that. I thought everyone was pencil whipping that joint. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you had to report it monthly or something that you knocked it out. Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, yeah. Me and you were in the same unit. Yeah. yeah. Me and you were in the same unit. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And, and how is this contributing to the mission other than me? hand counting pencils and pens in a in a supply closet <laughs> um all right so so i mean for you know bureaucracy it's 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 probably one of our one of our number one challenges that we deal with in in mm -hmm. the force and and um sometimes it feels like we're talking out of two sides of our mouth because um in one end we're talking about cpi and innovation and how we want to lead the way and, and um, we, we need to either figure out innovative ideas to do these things. And then when we have airmen that figure out innovative ways to do these things, bureaucracy comes in and mm -hmm. just shuts it down. You know, right. uh, I won't say all the time, but, but uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a major roadblock. It's right. a major roadblock to, to innovation. Right. And I think, you know, so what I, what I took from that also with the bureaucracy is like, yeah, you're, you're right. Like we, we do talk out of both sides of our mouth sometimes organization. I think that's probably pretty common in big organizations, but um, something that I also took from that was like, you know, you and I, when we were younger, we're like, why do we do this stuff? Why do we do this stuff, right? And then somehow when you're in that bureaucracy long enough and you're getting promoted because you're doing well, good stuff, you start like you start becoming part of the bureaucracy, right? And then you, and not, without even knowing it, sometimes you're like, because you're trying to succeed and you're looking around and it's like, well, what is everybody else doing? Oh, they're tweaking these slides for this meeting. Oh, we're going to have seven meetings this week about the same thing. I guess that's normal, right? And you start like finding yourself in it somehow until you realize that you're in it. You know, you don't even know that you're, you're getting sucked into it. And sometimes you don't even have the influence at that point to try to change it either. Let me ask you this. Uh, so the other day I was asking myself, do you even know, do you even remember what it feels like to be an airman? I, I, I like to say I do. And I try to go back there every now and then, but, yeah. I, I, but you know, it, it, it's a deliberate effort though. Right. It's been it's a while. Hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a so while. Hard. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, that the challenges that our airmen have today are not the same challenges that our airmen have. Right. Then Airmen we, are different than, than we were. Right. Yeah, so, so yeah. we can't look at them and be like, remember when we were them? Cause we weren't them. <laughs> we were us back then. So, so you yeah. Back. So I didn't anticipate that, you know, as a young airman, I'm like, I will never forget what it feels like to, to be an airman. I said that right. A hundred times. I probably said that, mm -hmm. but, but now today it's like, man, I kind of, I kind of forget the, the, how hard it is to live in the dorms. You know what I mean? I, I kind of forget like, going to the defect right. <laughs> you know what i mean i forget that stuff you know yeah. so it, it's hard as a as a uh, emerging leader you, you constantly you have to be you, like you said joe you, you got to be deliberate about it mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think looking back at that because i think maybe i even probably thought i'd always have an example to look to and be like hey i could always remember what it was like because i could look at these airmen but they're living a di whole different life than we were when we were airmen so mm. it's like so then you can adapt you can look back at your own but i don't know how relevant that is either except for those experiences that you have right how relevant exactly. is it to look back at your own time as an airman when they're experiencing a whole different life so you got to really talk yeah. to them and figure out what they're going through now because <laughs> it's different it really is i remember man yeah. man when i was in the dorms 
we didn't have a lot of the similar stuff that they have, but we also probably didn't have some of the similar challenges that they have right now too, right? And a lot of times as leaders, we look at it as like, they have so much more than we had when we were airmen. It's like, yeah, but they probably have different challenges that we have than we were airmen too. Like some of these folks that used to say that to us, there was like 590,000 people in the Air Force at that time, right? right. Their challenges yeah. were very different than when we were when we were airmen. Yeah. So, it, it, so, so in that book, Joe, in one mission, does it talk about bureaucracy throughout or is that just kind of the, the passage in that one so, case? So that was just a passage I wanted to read to get your perspectives on it. But really that whole chapter was talking about um, how, okay, so we live this bureaucracy and then the opposite of that bureaucracy is just having a organization of networking just network relationships, not a bureaucracy. Everybody just talks to each other, right? And there's a lot of benefits to that too because you get a lot of information sharing and everything else, but you can't live in that environment either for a sustained amount, right? You got to have some bureaucracy to have a sustained, um, uh, some sustained success over time. So what, what they actually propose is there's a hybrid version of kind of taking in a little bit of both to be able to be more, adaptable to the environment we live in now and i'm still part way through the book but like i said this is a great read there's a lot of good stuff in here yeah yeah um so as a chief in in the air force um do you still find that um bureaucracy is a major challenge for you or do you feel like there's uh there's a lot of avenues that you you should you can overcome those um, through through being a chief or you know just the positions that you have I would say there's probably a few less walls as a chief at the tactical level like I'm at. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but I would say that there's still, you know, we're, we're all, I mean, we're in this big organization. So there's going to be some things that come with it and the bureaucracy is part of it and dealing with some of those things. But I think what, what I would say is that I, I do have, some of it is just influence to be able to, you know, influence change and in some things at the tactical level for sure. And the other thing is just the experience I have now is like being able to determine because I think sometimes we don't want to change something or eliminate something because we have no idea what will happen if we do that, right? Like, I don't know if we should get rid of this. I think you kind of alluded to that earlier. Like, what would happen if we did this? And then we don't have the courage to make that change. And a lot of times it's because we don't have the, the information behind it or, or the perspective and uh-huh. just being, you know, achieve for multiple years now. I think I just have some more experience than I had before. So I can make some of those changes with calculated risk. So yeah. Uh, so yeah. so let me ask you this then. This is uh because you're 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 going where I want I want you to go here. Um, <laughs> um so as as the chief of you know most times it'd be uh, the C E squadron correct. Mm-hmm. Um would you say you're the expert on anything? No, no. Right. And, and yeah. you know, it's funny because this is going a little bit down a, a different path. But so I'm, right now in my deployed environment, I'm a squadron superintendent of 22 different AFSCs, 22 mm. specialties across only like 110 people. And I'm learning a lot about their jobs. And I really don't know much about them, except for the engineers that happen to be attached to my team. And um, I think one of the things as a CE chief, that kind of put me in a good position to be in this one is I, I kind of grew up in that environment anyway, because I don't necessarily, I'm not an expert as a firefighter, but they're in my squadron. I'm not mm. an expert explosive ordnance technician, but they're in my squadron. Right. So I already had to figure that out early on. Uh, I'm not an expert plumber, but as a, as a flight superintendent, I already had to figure that out 
early on. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why they coded this as a, as a three echo CE superintendent for this. Mm-hmm. But I will say to go back to your question, no, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in anything. Yeah. So then as a leader, you start thinking about, would you ever make a decision that would go against the expert's recommendation? So yes. And I will say that because although I am not an expert on a specific thing, I know how nature works and I know how some things work, right? So I'll give you a very simple uh, example. When a plumber tells me the water is going to go this certain way, and it's a technical thing, I'm like, I know water doesn't go that way. I'm not a plumber, yeah. but I know how nature works and water doesn't run that path, right? So that would be a very simple path. Another thing is maybe the expert that gave me that advice doesn't have the whole picture, right, on, on things. So when they gave me that, so it really depends on what the advice and what level of expertise we're talking about. Yeah. So I, you know, what I what I'm getting at is like in my experience, sometimes the experts they're so they're so tied to that situation or that, yeah, to that process. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for them to, um, to not be biased. Right. Yeah. Uh They, they, they can't, they can't be unbiased. It's, it's impossible for them. Mm -hmm. So how many, how many experts have you worked with Mm -hmm. where, Nope, this is the way this is, this is how it's going to be a hundred percent. And, and so you're adding to, the bureaucracy mm-hmm. and, and we're, we're not going to get this new thing mm-hmm. because it's not going to work. It didn't mm-hmm. work 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it didn't work 20 years ago. Cause I was in this unit, yeah. right? The experts, yeah. Yeah. the experts, um, who, who I value. Uh, yeah. I don't want, I don't want that to mm-hmm. seem like I, I do not value experts. I am far from an expert in my career field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whenever it comes time for, for me to make a decision, on a process that's in my unit, mm-hmm. I'm going to the expert. I have to. Right. Yeah. Um, that was kind of what my point was on seeing the big picture on something. You know, I'm able to see, I might, they might not be able to see the big picture. So that's when I may go against them because they're making a decision with the, with the small frame that they have, you know, that they're looking through. So yeah. those are some of those things. And also, I mean, like, to be honest with you, I think if, if expert in anything, probably expert in asking the right questions then as a leader mm-hmm. <laughs> because he asked the right questions and suddenly you're like, okay, so that was the only answer 10 minutes ago. But when I asked you three questions, now we got a couple different <laughs> avenues that we can approach what happened, right? What happened yeah. between now and then? So, yeah, I, you know, I like, I like to think of it as if you're the Wozniak, I, I let me be the Steve jobs on this thing. You know what <laughs> I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> So Steve Jobs was not uh, an expert in his field at Mm -hmm. all, Um, but uh, he was the mastermind behind Apple. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes experts, you know, when they're um, they're so close to the situation, they they already know the answer. Right. They already know the answer in their head. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to break them of that answer that they've invested so much time into getting into. Uh, and, and that's where you have to kind of respect that time, but also kind of lean them towards there's, there's maybe a little bit more to it. And that's the art. That's the part where it's the art, right? <laughs> uh, to do that without insulting them or downplaying how much yeah. time they've invested in it and still showing and them it, a different perspective. If you're not careful, um, that's where the imposter syndrome could mm-hmm. set in too. Because mm-hmm. if you're in a room full of experts, mm-hmm. you're like, man, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, right. You're, you're the director. <laughs> right. Yeah. That sounds good. That yeah. sounds good, Bob. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, but there's, you know, in so a lot of times it, in this position, I do think of that whole director thing, you know, like I sit there and I'm like, on a good day, if all the experts are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing and all the machinery is going the way it's supposed to, the oil's in the right spot, greasing everything uh-huh. up, then really I'm just kind of watching, right? <laughs> and there are those times <laughs> like, what am I, what, you know, <laughs> but, but, but if thing, you know, and I start looking at things for the future at that point, you know, I don't get any results from it, but, but if things are going awry, some leaders they get all upset they're like man why is this going smoothly it's like well that's why you're there bro (laughs) that's why you're there for when things don't go smoothly yeah yeah so that's an interesting dynamic um i don't think i've ever peeled it back that far and thought about you know how how experts um have an impact on the organization and then what what really is then your role as the leader who is um more times than not not the expert right right yeah generalist Um, yeah so that's yeah, super interesting. I don't, I don't think I've thought about it like that before. Well, you know, and there's also, it seems like there's a, um, there's a lot of times there's so much conflict between the generalist concept and the expert concept, man. It's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like freaking blue versus red. I mean, it's just constant. And um, I don't know, you know, I don't really subscribe to that. I think that they can both coalesce and work together in an organization. You need both of them for sure. Well, you, you said it earlier, it's the mm-hmm. art, right? So that leader, that leader is not, if you if that leader says, Hey, shove it, we're just going to do it like this. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be the leader of that organization for very long. No, um, mm-hmm. because the health of that organization, uh, the productivity of that organization, you know, X, Y, and Z of that organization belongs to that leader. Mm-hmm. Right. And the expert is just doing their job. The expert right. doesn't have to really do anything. They're just doing the science. Right. Right. Uh, right. Whether you're happy about uh, where things are, that that's not, that's not the point for the expert. That's not what the expert's job is. Right. Um, so, so what I'm getting at is the leader has to learn how to negotiate with the experts. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll tell you what, I've been going through that here a lot, especially because I'm not the expert in a lot of the AFSCs. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of changes that are happening in my environment right now. And, and um, the experts, just like you said, they're like, no, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way it is. It's doctrine. Mm-hmm. It's our mm-hmm. doctrine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I was like, got it. All right. It's your doctrine. But, but, but I think I need you to read this book, Getting to Yes, because, because <laughs> your solution is not going to work out for you at the end. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to, it's going to be pretty bad for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had an interesting encounter the other day or, or I was a, a part of a conversation the other day uh, where <laughs> our resource advisor, and that's the person that, you know, manages all the money uh, yeah. and they, they were doing it, they were doing it for uh, a larger organization. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this leader of that organization without um, pinpointing what organization I'm talking about, they're like, Hey, the leader said, Hey, we need this. And, and the, the resource advisor said, no, that's not, that's not possible. And he's like, I understand that's not possible. We need to figure out how to make it possible. Right. And then, and then uh, that, that let the resource advisor, who was the expert in there, let, mm-hmm. let them know that, listen, w- let's understand what the rules are, mm-hmm. but then let's also figure out how we can make it a possibility, how, how right. we can get to yes. You know right. what I mean? That's mm-hmm. so important. If right. we just stop it, no, um, how can we get anything done? You know? Right. Right. That's why I, I, I loved um, 
General McDew was probably the first person I heard say it back in the day was just like, hey, I don't really want to hear we can't do that. I'd rather hear we can with the repercussions of, of what happens if we do it. You know what I mean? So it, it might be because we can pretty much do anything. <laughs> we could do anything, but we might not want to do anything because we might end up in jail, right? Or somebody might get killed. But like, give me the repercussions of can. Like, because we can, we can absolutely do it. But hey, if you're going to say we, we can do this, but you're probably going to end up in jail, I'm probably going to choose against it, right? But um, let's figure out that. That way you can start looking at solutions and finding answers to hopefully get to yes. P- people get so good at saying no, they start right. making up rules. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like the, absolutely. That, that's not even in, like, where absolutely. does it see that? <laughs> absolutely. And, and then and they get to a point where, no, I said no, so now I got to figure out how to make sure no sticks. It's like, no, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. That's not, that's not the answer, man. You need to humble yourself yeah. and possibly show yeah. that it's possible you were wrong. <laughs> right? It's, it's not yeah. the only way. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's why, that's why I figured out, um, I figured out like, oh, that's why that's why politicians are lawyers because they're always <laughs> defending. Like they always have to defend it right. into the semantics of an argument. And just right. like, right. Duh. Yeah. And that's that's what I loved about Ann Mirako was she was talking about when it comes to debating. She was like, a lot of people just try to be truth winners versus truth seekers. Right. So at some point mm-hmm. you're like, OK, I'm just trying to win this argument. And it's like, no, let's let's get to what's right versus you just mm-hmm. winning versus me losing. Let's get to what's right. You know, yeah. That's where I think we need to get to in so many different levels. And, um, and I, you know, I think we're getting better at it a lot of times with yeah. leaders at least talking about it, saying, hey, let's figure out a way to get to yes. I'm not saying mm-hmm. we're going to do it, but let's figure it out. Because a lot of times, like to your point, experts in their fields, they will live in their own, whatever you want to call it, whether it's doctrine or <laughs> what they're trained with and um, got to figure out there's ways to get out of that and look at the intent of whatever the rule is versus just the rule. Um, because a lot of times people spout out all kind of AFIs and regulations and, and laws, but they don't even understand what the intent behind it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro, man, yeah. this is, this is fun. We got to do another yeah, one of these. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, I, you know, I wasn't sure cause you know, me and you haven't, hadn't been on a podcast, uh, by, by ourselves. Normally we yeah. have a guest, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, we're able, we're, we're able just to probe the guests and they're like, yeah, yeah what do you think about that? So uh, yeah. it's, it's, I'm glad we were able to kind of go down some, a few rabbit holes and, and yeah. really flesh out some, some leadership expert stuff, uh, mm-hmm. which I, um, I haven't really seen a whole lot of articles on and, and we, we kind of took this article and ran with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was awesome. And, and we really didn't have much of a, much of an agenda to go over. So I'm glad, <laughs> glad I cover. Hopefully the listeners got something out because I definitely did. I think just having a conversation made me yeah. a couple of things myself. Look, this might spark an article. Yeah. Yeah. It might. <laughs> I think you owe us one, Frank. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. You're probably, <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I appreciate your time, brother. We got to do this again pretty soon. So I'm out here for a while. So uh, I just hit my one month mark out here. So I got five more months and some change probably. Yeah. So that'll yeah. go by quick, man. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, the first yeah. month definitely yeah. did. But cool. Appreciate you, bro. All right, brother. Yeah. I appreciate right. you. Yeah, yep. to, all, to all our listeners, as always, be safe, stay healthy, and the llamas are out. Out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.